0: This is a podcast from The Business Times.
1: Equities are sliding thanks to inflation, yet rising interest rates are having the same effect on bond returns. The shift is prompting investors to look beyond the 60-40 paradigm to diversify their portfolios and avoid volatility, raising the profile of liquid alternatives. Global equities were down more than 21% in the first half of 2022, and they may no longer be the best investment choice for you. Concurrently, fixed-income assets have created this year on fears of rising interest rates. This is at odds with the predominant trend this century, during which bonds and equities have delivered positive but uncorrelated returns. But all is not lost. To tell us where global equities fit into your style-neutral portfolio in order to ride out inflation and safeguard your wealth is Robert Hinchliffe, Portfolio Manager and Head of Global Sector Cluster Research at Pinebridge Investments. This episode is brought to you by Pine Bridge Investments. Rob, thanks for your time. Thank you. Happy to do right. it. This year's certainly been challenging for investors, and generally, corporates remain resilient, though, as reflected in the latest earning results. What's your outlook going forward? You're right. This year's has certainly been challenging for investors, and, and you know
2: we see it in the data, and we see it when we speak with investors too, what they're going through and the markets have had to digest a lot this year. You know, it's maybe not what we see in front of us right now. Right now companies generally sound pretty good. Consumer demand is is holding in well, backlogs, industrial backlogs are solid, supply chains are easing. Commodity price starts look better too. But in the future, you know, that's that's what markets are scared about. What we think is heading our way from high inflation, from how central banks have responded. So the, the market is clearly trying to get a handle on, on how much things are going to slow. And at this point, the valuations look much more appealing to us. The market's down quite a bit this year. There's a lot going on in the world. So certainly not trying to call a bottom rush, Ukraine, so many things. But we're finding new investment opportunities, particularly in stocks that we've long admired but thought were too expensive to invest in. There have been opportunities for us to upgrade our portfolio this year.
1: Okay, so after massive outflows in the market, equity valuations are becoming more reasonable, like you mentioned. And when expectations are low, as worries about a recession grow, do you think we've hopefully reached a market turning point? Because you also said it's the future people are worried about.
2: Well, It's an interesting question. And, and, you know, I'm a a relative bottom-up investor. I'm not a a macro, top-down market forecaster. But that's said, we we do see individual stocks that have been punished to levels that, that we think are inconsistent with their historical earnings pattern through cycles. So I think when the market takes a breath and, and sees this, these stocks are likely going to move higher. You know, also interestingly, I think rates are sort of where the Fed wants them right now. The market is starting to understand where the Fed's going and, and, and starting to bake that in. So I think potentially less of a negative surprise here from what interest rates might do.
1: Okay. So here's the question. Where should investors be looking into allocate? All depends on your level of comfort, right? When it comes to giving advice.
2: <laughs> well, as, as I've said, I, we're, we're a relative fund. So just outperforming the market is our goal. But from this perspective, uh, there are always opportunities to find stocks and to generate alpha. And this has been a pretty good market for stock pickers. Uh, the market's differentiating between winners and losers. Even uh, in, in the near term, things like pricing power is important, visibility, demand elasticity, those are all really important, and and good communication too from management teams to help the market properly set expectations for for what the near term is going to look like. But in the long, longer term, which is where we invest, we we invest over uh, over the mid to long term, you know, several years out. We see a number of opportunities, and and you know, big picture kind of themes that are represented in our portfolio right now are. Are things like global affluence. This could be increasing access to healthcare in some countries, could be luxury, could be better foods, could be global CapEx investments. You know, supply chains are getting rewired all over the world, uh, moving closer to their end markets. So there's a lot of opportunity there. Net zero, certainly talked about a lot. Technological enablers is, is another. Theme that we're invested in. Uh, It could be the factory automation that sort of goes back to the supply chains. Could be just monetizing data. There's so much value in data. Some companies are are really well positioned to benefit from that. Our last one, and and maybe this is a little bit of a catch all, but corporate transformations, which, which could mean a lot of things, but management teams coming in to fix lagging companies companies helping other companies achieve their environmental targets that's that's actually an increasingly interesting one how companies are helping other companies achieve their greenhouse gas emissions targets for instance um you know that that could be an opportunity for years and years
1: let's talk about net zero and esg for a bit then how do you incorporate esg into your investment process and have you experienced any difficulties in finding esg compliant investment opportunities Say in Asia, because we're generally looked upon as lagging in this area compared to developed markets. Or other parts of the world, maybe emerging markets?
2: We don't have trouble finding investments that pass our requirements. Now, our fund, we invest uh, in between 30 and 50 stocks. So we don't need a lot of companies. But you're right. Clearly, certain parts of the world are more aware of ESG than others. But its importance is growing everywhere. We invest uh, in in what we say is is the positive change in companies over time. And this includes ESG. So as long as a company passes our initial exclusion list, and and by that I mean we we screen out companies that, that do things like manufacture controversial weapons, for instance, as long as it passes over our exclusion list, we say it's eligible for us to consider investing in it. Once it gets past that point, now it has to get through our our equity risk assessment. And we evaluate and we score companies across a whole host of metrics on a forward-looking basis, qualitative and quantitative, governance and leadership, business sustainability, financial strength. We'll talk to the management teams. We'll understand their track records. We'll really dig into their competitive positioning, look at the characteristics of the workforce, things like that, essentially where they are today and where they're going. And when we're making an investment, we're looking at where a company is going versus how the market thinks of that company. We score these companies. If a a company scores highly enough, then it's actually eligible for us to invest in it. We think the growing awareness of of ESG is a positive, to be honest. That's particularly true for a a bottom-up strategy like ours. Uh, Companies are disclosing ever more data, more information, and it's more ways for us to better know and better understand the company and and this better knowledge is giving us more ways to interact with the companies and if need be too, to engage with them to ask for change too
1: still to come key risks investors need to know and how to get sustained alpha in these volatile times this episode is brought to you by pine bridge investments
0: and now back to our podcast episode
1: Okay, so earlier we talked about where investors should look for opportunities. What about the key risks they need to know? There are so many ways to be wrong right now in this
2: market. There are a lot of risks. Market volatility is a big one. Trying to time the market, the market style, the type of leadership in the market. This is really hard to get, to get this right at all, particularly consistently. And as we've seen over the last several years, the, the changes in market rotations can be really violent. You know, other things, company specific implications of what is going on in Ukraine, the read through to uh, Europe, you know, energy prices, for instance. Companies certainly could be uh, impacted by that. Market expectations, um, you know, I mentioned the short versus long term before. Companies aren't giving rosy outlooks right now, but some have been more realistic about what's coming this year than others. You know, Some have, have sort of adopted into their forward guidance um, some, some more conservative expectations, Rip the Band-Aid off, so to speak, versus smaller guide downs every quarter. And, and companies that have disappointed this year have really been punished. So what's embedded in the stock price, what sort of expectations are embedded in the stock price is really important to outperforming this year in the short term. And then I'd bring it back to ESG, too. Uh, You know, we're increasingly hearing from companies that business is being won and lost based on ESG, based on CO2 emissions, for instance. You really need to know your companies. Uh, You know, obviously, that's, for us, super important as a a bottom-up strategy.
1: And what can investors do? Since they can't stick to their usual strategy, uh, what about a differentiated and style-neutral portfolio? Would that work during times like these?
2: Well, that's certainly how we invest. We, we manage Global Focus to take the risks we want to take and minimize all the risks that we don't want to take. So uh, the risks we want, we can buy, we want between 30 and 50 stocks. The risk we want to take is those individual investments and, and the alpha from the stocks we've invested in is what we're looking for. The risks we don't want is pretty much everything else, things like style exposure or exposure to a a particular market cap. So we're neutral relative to the benchmark for large and small caps, Um, valuation exposure or commodity or interest rate exposure or cyclical exposure, long versus short cycle exposure. We want to minimize all those risks. We want to generate alpha from the individual investments and minimize every other risk relative to the benchmark. How do you do that? You need to know the benchmark. You need to really know what it looks like, and compared to your portfolio. So we look really similar to the benchmark in so many ways. But with just 30 to 50 stocks what we own is very very different from the benchmark and really different from our peers too. We have a very high active share as you might imagine. All of our alpha is from stock selection. Our turnover is very low. We're investing for the medium to long term. So we're we're crafting the portfolio that we can we can own our stocks for for years and let that positive change that we've identified to develop over our holding period and rewarded for owning stocks over that medium to long term. I think those characteristics are, are really important in this market, given you know, all the, the risks we talked about earlier. But I think they're valuable in all market conditions too. You know, certainly, we don't want to get whipsawed because of, because of style risk. But the way we do it, we don't need to use the big benchmark names to manage risk. We're not trading in and out of stocks. And I, and I think that's a, a particularly attractive way to invest in general. And just you know, the takeaways from that are our, our information ratio tends to be high relative to others. The correlation of our returns tends to be lower or very lowly correlated to others. And again, as you might imagine, just... Given the select number of stocks we own and and them being so different from the benchmark,
1: so after all that, it really is just keep calm, stay invested, look long term, huh?
2: <laughs> that's that's certainly how we do it. Our our turnover is is very low. Uh, we've added just a a few stocks this year to the portfolio. As I mentioned, the market's been great for giving us opportunities to upgrade. Uh, the portfolio, the holdings that we have, but but it really is we're we're fully invested.
1: Since the direction of the world economy is uncertain at best, Rob, long-running themes investors should look at for sustained alpha are probably the same as the ones you mentioned earlier.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and and I mentioned them before: the global affluence, uh, global capex, technology enablers, and and corporate transformation. Those are the the long-running themes that tend to be represented in our portfolio, and we continue to find opportunities in those areas. We have for for quite a while, and, and we continue to find interesting opportunities ac- across each of those themes.
1: Thanks for your time and your insights, Rob. Thanks very much. Robert Hinchliffe, Portfolio Manager and Head of Global Sector Cluster Research at Pinebridge Investments. And that's a wrap for this podcast by The Business Times. I'm Howie Lim. This episode is brought to you by Pine Bridge Investments.
0: That was a podcast from the Business Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcast, or via the Google Voice Assistant Amazon-enabled devices. For more podcasts by the Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A W E D I O. This podcast is meant to provide general information only. SPH Media accepts no liability for loss arising from any reliance on the podcast or use of third parties' products and services. Please consult professional advisors for independent advice.